This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Huberto centers and now Hunt shoots and scores! Dryden Hunt rifles one right off the iron and in. His first goal is a flame, makes it four to two. And just like that, like we all predicted, the Calgary Flames have turned a three-game losing streak into a three-game winning streak with wins against Winnipeg, Boston, and most recently a victory in the Battle of Alberta against the Edmonton Oilers. Next up for the Calgary Flames, the LA Kings in a massive game when it comes to to the Western Conference playoff race. Welcome to Sportsnet Today. Happy Monday. It's Logan Gordon along with you for another edition of Sportsnet Today. We are live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios for Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems or all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. How about that win Saturday night? The Battle of Alberta felt like it was back, baby. And the best part about it, a Calgary Flames victory. 6-3 is the final score. The Flames have won three in a row after losing three in a row. Now set up a massive matchup with the LA Kings Tuesday at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. We'll check in with the Calgary Flames coming up in just moments after a practice day on Monday at the Scotiabank Sandaldome. Here from head coach Ryan Huska, Blake Coleman, and Jonathan Huberto following a massive win against their provincial rivals. Also on the program today, we'll check in on the Toronto Blue Jays. Spring training underway in Dunedin, Florida. Battles to watch for as uh, spring training baseball rolls on for the Jays. Also, our pal Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.ca is going to join us. Chat about some of the rivalries popping up in the PWHL as that season is well underway. And uh, look ahead to the NHL's trade deadline. We are under two weeks away from the NHL's trade deadline. It's coming up March 8th. We'll have full coverage of it right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan. Cam and Shan are my outstanding producers along with me on this Monday Fan feedback line is open to you at 960-960. We'd love to hear from you. Following a big Flames win over the Edmonton Oilers Saturday night in Edmonton. Now the Flames have their focus set squarely on the LA Kings. That's where we'll kick things off on the program today. Did it feel good to have the Battle of Alberta back on Saturday? I feel like it meant something... It's just not the same without a little bit of hate, without a little bit of physicality. And this year's Battle of Alberta kind of lacked that. The outdoor game didn't have much. Last game of the Scotiabank Saddledome kind of lacked it, but everything that we missed and everything we loved about the Battle of Alberta sure existed on Saturday. And as many Flames fans will tell you, not only was it nice to have the Battle of Alberta back, it's nice to be on top of the Battle of Alberta. 6-3 is your final score. Three goals in the first period for the Calgary Flames against an Oilers team that did not have the same kind of drive as their rivals from the south. 
Noah Hannafin has three points. Edmonton has lost three straight now. Your goal scorers for the Flames, Kadri, Pospisil, Hannafin, Dryden Hunt, as you heard on the way in, his first as a Flame. Blake Coleman on the scoreboard late as well. And the Calgary Flames pick up a big two points. And as we look at the standings on this Monday, this is you know part of why Tuesday's game against the LA Kings is so big. But this Flames team, 7-3 and three in their last 10, have won three in a row, but have seen their opponents in the wild card race also picking up key victories. You'll remember not all that long ago, the Flames were inching closer within three points, at times one point of that final wild card spot. Well, despite winning three in a row, the Flames sit five points back of the Nashville Predators for that final wild card spot as we talk on this Monday. And the Minnesota Wild and St. Louis Blues, both a point ahead of the Calgary Flames and ahead of them when it comes to chasing Nashville for that final wild card spot. The LA Kings hold the top wild card spot at 68 points, so they're a solid seven points ahead of Calgary. And oh, look, who's right behind you, the Seattle Kraken with a game in hand are just two points back of the Calgary Flames. So don't want to take anything off the good vibes that were Saturday in Edmonton because this Flames team was fully deserving and fully deserving of a lot of credit for an outstanding week. Let's be honest. Wins against Boston, Winnipeg, and Edmonton, full credit. No denying that this team brings the best when they need to against top-tier opponents, but this is kind of the reality we've been living in for a long time uh, watching this team, observing this team. It's that if you're not in one of those wild card spots, it's so damn hard to climb over teams because despite doing well yourself, there's three point nights when you've got, you know, four or five teams in the mix. It's hard to go a single night in the NHL watching the out of town scoreboard and not seeing somebody pick up a win, pick up an extra point in OT, and all of a sudden, despite you playing well, you're you know, distance to get to that wild card spot against Nashville somehow is ballooned to five points and you're going, we won our last three. How is that even possible? But it's why, and you'll hear from Blake Coleman coming up in just a bit, this three-game winning streak is great, but if they follow it up with another three-game losing streak, a four-game losing streak, if they're not able to extend this to four or five games, it's just not going to be possible for this team to climb into one of those wild card spots. So it'll be very interesting to see. It's a big game coming up against LA on Tuesday. What can we tell you from practice uh, today? At the Scotiabank Sound Dome. We'll pour our pal Pat Steinberg, the host of Flames Talk and the host of Flames Hockey here on Sportsnet 960. Lines and D pairings appear to remain the same following Saturday's win. That means Zary was with Kadri and Pospisil. Manjapani with Backlund, Coleman, Huberto, Sharon Govinch, Hunt, Pelche, who was uh, made his return to the lineup on Saturday with Kevin Rooney and Walker Dewar, Andre Kuzmenko, who missed Saturday's game with the flu, um, was operating as the extra forward at practice. Weger with Anderson, Hannafin with Tanev, Shillington with Bahal, Gilbert and Osterley, your extra defensive pairing, and Jacob Markstrom out at practice today with Dan Vladar. 
He also missed Saturday's game as head coach Ryan Huska deemed him less than 100%. Uh, but interesting to note on the Kuzmenko front, um, despite being sort of the extra forward, still took reps on the top power play unit this morning uh, alongside Kadri, Huberto, Sharon Govich, and Uyghur. So interesting to see where the head coach leans uh, as far as number 96 is concerned Tuesday against L.A. Probably hard to make any lineup changes outside of the goaltender when you're coming off a big win against the against the uh, Edmonton Oilers, but we will wait and see. And that was the talking point Saturday. Uh, I, I knew it was going to happen as, as soon as, as the news broke that it was going to be Dan Vladar getting the start. Um, the Jacob Markstrom rumor mill fired right back up and uh, good on Dan Vladar in a really tough spot. I thought coming in and closing the door on Edmonton, you know, there's a lot of high, we talk about it all the time. There's high powered forwards in Edmonton. They're going to get their chances. They're going to get their opportunities. I thought Dan Vladar um, deserves a tip of the cap for coming in. Hasn't played a lot of hockey of late, but really shut the door when the flames needed him on Saturday in a really big spot against the Edmonton Oilers. Lots to check in with the head coach following practice at the Scotiabank Saddle on Monday. Markstrom status, Kuzmenko status, his team on a three-game winning streak. The LA Kings are coming to town for a matchup on Tuesday. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska. We bring you the latest Flames audio from the locker room every day on Sportsnet today and on this Monday, kicking off with the head coach following practice. Ryan, what's the effect when maybe non-traditional guys, whether it's Coleman or Huberto, get under the skin of opponents? Coleman fought. Huberto looked like he was antagonizing Ekholm a little bit. Like, what is it when when guys that aren't necessarily in those roles do that? How can that affect a group? Um, I, I, if you do it the right way, I think it shows that you're engaged and, and ready to play. Now, the fine line is um, we don't want to cross a line and and sit in the penalty box in those situations because a lot of power plays around the league will make you pay, but. Um, I think we did a really good job of making sure we were engaged and ready to play, and, and that includes the includes those two guys. How would you explain Jonathan Huberto's turnaround from December 31st to now? I believe he has 21 points in 22 games in that span. How would I explain it? Yeah, why do you um, think he's seen success? Uh, sometimes uh, offensive guys can be a little bit streaky. Um, I, I think over that stretch, um, there was chances early on that he was getting that nobody was finishing on. Um, now it seems like when he's setting people up, like Dryden last game, like there's a good example of it, Dryden finished. Um, but I also think when he went through that tough month where nothing was happening, you, you start to feel the weight. And once things, the calendar flipped, I guess you can say, he, things started to go for him and now he's, you feel better about yourself, especially when you're an offensive guy and you know that's part of your role to help the team win hockey games. So I, I think he's just feeling better about where he's at right now and, and, and he's starting to feel more comfortable with the plays that he's capable of making. Ryan, what do you like about driving playing on that line? Um, I feel like he brings a little bit of edge to it. Um, like we've, we've talked a little bit about him before that he has an understanding of how he has to be in certain situations so I think he sees that on that line if he can be first on pucks and um, try to finish hits I think he had four or five hits for us that last game in Edmonton um, he can create some open ice and loose pucks for the other two guys to try to generate and make plays um, if he's on a um, a fourth line per se um, he knows he's an up and down guy and pucks are going to get up and, and out but um, the ability of 
that he has to play with those top guys. When he was younger, he was a skilled guy, very much a skilled guy. Um, but he's just learned how to adapt his game a little bit over the last last while. You, you hear all the time that those sort of quote-unquote depth guys sometimes lose their identity when they get a chance to play up and down the lineup. What, what do you think has allowed him to sort of keep his no matter where he is? Um, Probably he's he's been bounced back and forth. So the experience of trying to figure out, okay, like why am I getting bounced back and forth, back back and forth from the American League to the NHL, and what can I do to make sure it doesn't happen again? Or if it does, how do I be a good pro in in both areas? So I think it's a lot of growing up and maturing, um, understanding you know what's needed out of a player because he, he's a smart he's a smart young man. So I think he really does get it. There's a lot of talk about identity when it comes to every team, but with you guys, we've often heard about defensive responsibility and being hard to play against, which is true. But you guys, you know, in terms of five-on-five five goals, you're, you're seventh in the league since January 1st. You guys are scoring six, five in your wins. Has that become part of the identity of the team? Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I would like to see it the other way where we're not giving up three or four. That would be more important for coaches. Um, I, I think the identity that is starting to take hold is we don't rely on one or two players. We have a lot of people that, that score for us. We have a lot of people that are involved in the offense, and we have a lot of people that are expected to help protect leads, if you will. So I, I think we have a good mix throughout our group right now. I assume that's a goal for most teams, but it's working for you guys. I mean, how has that been fostered? What, what's allowed that to, to work? Um, I, I think you look at your leaders. I think they're willing to accept. Some guys have to give a little bit of themselves up in those situations, and I think we have had people that have done that. I think we've had young guys that have pushed to earn some more opportunity and more ice time, and I think that's made us a more competitive group. Thank you. beat three of the best teams in the league last week. I know every game is different, but generally speaking, what did you like about the team game last week, and uh, was that the best or one of the best stretches you guys have had this season? Yeah, it was It was good, Wilsey, for sure. Um, couple of those games we had great starts Edmonton against Boston Boston we really came out of the gates the right way and I think we put our opponent on their heels and that's something that's important for us but even when we were pushed a little bit in those games we didn't fold um, and we pushed right back and that's that's something for me that we're probably most proud of in those situations and we'd like to see that mentality continue when it, uh, further on Danny's question when you say give give something up the veterans are doing what, what do you mean by that Ryan uh, sometimes there's certain guys that maybe in the past have played 19, 20 minutes, and they're playing 16 to 17 and a half this year, and you know that's it's a big ask when you're asking players to do that. So those that's one of the examples I guess I would talk about. Ryan, Andre had like seemed to to gel really quickly when he was put on that line with Igor and Jonathan. It seems like maybe it's fallen off. What, is, what does he need to do to? get back to being a good fit with those two? You know, the last game they played together here, his first period was really good. Um, and that's what he needs to do. He was on the puck. Uh, he was a threat with it. He was shooting the puck, which we asked asked him to do a little bit more of. Um, and then as the game went on, it was more of a coaching decision to reduce some of his ice time. But, you know, when coaches look back at it, sometimes you think a player was terrible. And then you watch the video at the end of the game, you're like, hmm, this guy was actually pretty good. You also do it the other way, that when you see it live, you're like, oh, man, I thought he was great. And when you go home or in the morning when you watch the video again, you're like, oof, I was wrong on that one. So he, he had a really good first period the last game here. And again, because he's protecting pucks, he's strong on them. And he really had a, a nose for the net. He was looking at the net every time he had the puck. Is there any concern about Markstrom's availability tomorrow? No concern.
Sorry, I want to just one more on yep. Dryden. Um, you talked about some of that growth in his game. I'm curious, has some of that happened very recently? I'm curious if he's a different player now for you than he was maybe at the beginning of the season. Uh, he made our team out of camp, right? So he did a lot of good things where, in a coach's mind, you see the work that a guy puts in. You see his commitment to playing on both sides of the both sides of the puck. Um, so I don't, I don't know if there really has been. I, I think he's trying to make the most of his, his opportunity that he has, and I think that's what it's coming down to. Ryan, you've been telling us kind of throughout this season, like whenever we talk about leadership, Blake's name, despite not having a letter, was almost always kind of gone out of your way to include him in that. And now you have a rotating A. It's probably not a surprise to us. He's worn it a couple times already. Yeah. Can you just describe his sort of important leadership role, how he goes about that with your group? Um, well, one thing away from the ice, maybe one of the best person or people you would ever meet um, he is a really good man good family uh, on the ice from him I'd assume in talking to his parents I think I mentioned it before he he's had to work for everything he's gotten all the time and that's his makeup so you don't when he comes to the rink you know what you're going to get out of him I mean might might have the odd game that's off from his standards but that's part of an 82 game schedule um, he has ingrained in his head how he has to be every day on the ice in order to be successful and help our team win and so when you have, especially now, a bunch of young forwards around him, is that a lead by example thing? Is it a him sort of shepherding them along? How do you look at it that way? He's more of a lead by example. Like I see Naz as a guy that's pulling them on by helping the two young guys with them. Uh, I think Coles does it the way I think he knows how, and that's playing the right way. And I think with him, it's a hope that guys will see what I do on a daily basis, and they're going to follow suit. There you go. Head coach Ryan Huska checking in with the media following practice on Monday. His group getting set to welcome in the, in the welcome in the LA Kings for a Tuesday showdown at the Scotia Bank. Saddled home lots there with the head coach. Markstrom, no worry about his availability against the LA Kings after missing. I don't really know if he missed Saturday's start against Edmonton. He was available as a backup, but Dan Vladar got the nod, so it sounds like he's good to go. Nice praise for Dryden Hunt, who I think has been a a nice talking point since coming up from the Calgary Wranglers. And I kind of like that spot he's been with. If you've watched Wranglers hockey this year at any point, you've noticed Dryden Hunt pretty much always on a pairing offensively with Matt Coronado. And you can see his game flourish. And you heard Ryan Huska talk about he's one of those guys that can go up and down the lineup. I don't disagree with that, but I certainly see a little bit more in Dryden's game when he gets a chance to play with some skilled players, I think you saw part of that Saturday and an opportunity to roll with Sharon Govich and, and Jonathan Huberto. Curious to see if that continues Tuesday. Does Kuzmenko get back in the lineup? Uh, does Jacob Pelche get a chance as, as he works his way back into the lineup? Lots to, to monitor for this team going forward. Oh, and by the way, the trade deadline's less than two weeks away and uh, Hannafin and Tanner are still on his team. So uh, who knows? Uh, all I know is the madness is is probably still to come uh, when it talks to this uh, when it comes to this Calgary Flames team at least. Uh, checking in on the text line at nine six zero nine six zero. We will hear more from the Calgary Flames following practice a little bit later on. We'll hear from Blake Coleman and Jonathan Huberto following a big win against the Oilers. Uh, speaking of Blake Coleman, this text comes in on the fan feedback line. Uh, Coleman flattening McFlopper, epic. Uh, yeah, that Blake Coleman hit was a monster one. Connor doesn't get caught with those very often. Uh, it helps when you're the, the fastest guy on skates I've ever seen. 
Um, but Blake got him and made sure he finished the check. It's obviously what Matthias Janmark uh, wasn't a fan of, but good on Blake. That's a, a tough spot to get McDavid in, made sure he paid for it and uh, stood up for himself when uh, Janmark came around as well and uh, had a good scrap, one of the fun ones to watch from the weekend. Uh, Joseph in Calgary says, happy with the effort and win, but hoping Conroy will find a way to get some toughness back in future deals. Don't like, don't much like the liberties taken by some Oilers players on our players missing the Luch factor. Uh, this one to a similar extent said flames need someone tough to take a nurse and guys like that. I disagree with that. I, I didn't, I didn't see liberties as far as I'm concerned. Martin Pospisil deserves a spot in this lineup every day ahead of pretty much anything I saw from Milan Lucic during his time in Calgary. I'm sorry. That's that's just how I see it. I'll take 76 over uh, what I saw from 17 every day. And Pospisil's not the toughest guy, but he's not afraid to mix it up. He's not afraid to get in there and get underneath him. But he's, I don't think it's a toughness thing. If you want to get tough, Blake Coleman drops the gloves. Mackenzie Weger was willing to drop the gloves. I think Braden Bahal's a guy we've seen do that before. I don't think you need to tough it up so you can get with Edmonton. I think you need to skill it up. I think you need to get more guys that can skill. Who cares if Edmonton was the tougher team on Saturday? You kicked their ass. It was 6-3. Okay, congratulations. You had more hits. Maybe you were tougher Saturday. That counts for zero points in the standings. Who was the better team on Saturday? Calgary. I don't think anyone cared about that. I think the guys stepped up when they needed to. I didn't think that Edmonton was, I don't know. Do I, have I seen that? I don't know if I've seen a lot of that, that the Flames got out-toughed on Saturday. Even if, they, even if I thought they did, I wouldn't care. The score was 6-3. Be the tougher team all you want. We'll, we'll take the two points and we'll, we'll take the win. It, it would be a problem if the Oilers' quote-unquote toughness made the Flames play scared, and that's just that's not what I saw at all. It was Flames couldn't care less about no anything the Oilers did on Saturday. No, I, they they didn't. They weren't worried about the Oilers' play. They weren't they weren't fearing the Oilers, and that's why that's why they came away with with that. It was a pretty dominant win, especially through the first the first half of that game. They, they I didn't see toughness as a problem. No, and if it if you thought it was, you won the game. Who cares? Let Darnell Nurse think he was tougher than somebody. He was on the ice watching two of those goals go past him. That's why he gets paid the big buck. <laughs> Good one. $9 million of toughness right there. Uh, this text says, this is the third game in a row for the Flames against the team coming off a back-to-back. Uh, I believe it is. I'm going to ch- quickly check the Flames schedule because Boston was coming in from Edmonton the night before. Uh, let me think this through. Boston was coming in from Edmonton the night before. They went to overtime. Edmonton played Friday against Minnesota, and I believe L.A. plays tonight. Uh, yeah, LA, yeah, LA's in Edmonton. So, yes, that texture is correct. It would be the third straight game for the Flames who get an opponent off a of back-to-back. Uh, this text says... I know it's a contract year and he's auditioning for his next team logo, but Noah Hannafin, him and Tanner have been lights out this year, uh, all year to my eyes, plus 27 uh, combined playing against some of the toughest competition. 
Quite the contrast from the minus 21 that 4 and 55 put up in 12 playoff games two years ago. Although I'm not sure how fair it is uh, to, to how fair it was of the surefire Hall of Fame coach and two time cup winner Daryl Sutter to have kept trotting out that pair of 25 year old as a D top pairing in the playoffs. But wow, Noah looks like an all star. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a tough one on Saturday to know that. That's not going to be in the lineup much longer. He is flying out there. Like, he, he, he'll he get the puck. And, I mean, I've seen him behind the net half the time he's on the ice. But he is he's looking unbelievable. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I, sorry, I just, uh, that's that was a tough one on Saturday to watch that and kind of think, gosh, that's going to, it's not going to be there the rest of the season. Hey, like, we're coming down to... The last couple games of that in a Flames jersey, it, it sucks. It is what it is. I, I, I've really, I, I can understand why if you were one of the people on Saturday going, we're trading that. Like that's what we're trading. Yeah. Hey, I get it. That was uh, an all-time performance from Noah Hannafin, and it's exactly why a team's going to pay up big to get him. But it's also why. If you're the Calgary Flames and, and Noah's not willing to commit to your team, it's why you have to trade him. That's too valuable of an asset to let go for nothing. And yeah, that it sucks because he's 26, 27, and you'd love to see him here long term. But Craig's been true to his word since day one about if we're not pen to paper on a on a contract with this team, then we have to move you. So that's. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. There's no doubt about it. Uh, this text says, in response to Texas worried about toughness, I have to walk a fine line not giving the Oilers power play time in those sort of situations. That comes from Greg in varsity. Uh, Joel in Cranston says, I'm not happy with Anderson's play. He was on for all three goals, pickpocketed on the last one, the oldest play in hockey. His effort on Charlie Coyle's breakaway in the Boston game was brutal. He was minus one last game. If he wants to be Kane's punching bag, that's fine with me. And uh, this one says, I don't understand. They won the game and uh, made the Oilers play undisciplined, and fans are mad that the team didn't stoop to their level. That's kind of where I'm at. I, I'm not At the end of the game, are you worried about the win or are you worried about that you were tougher than the Oilers? I get it to the Oilers and that you don't want to just beat them on the scoreboard, you want to beat them physically. That's how people feel about that team in this market. But take the two points. Take the win. That's, to me, the biggest W that you can put in front of an Oilers fan that you have in your life. It was 6-3. The game wasn't close. The Flames had the Oilers pulling their goalie with 11 minutes left. I, I'd rather have that yeah. than than winning a couple fights. Don't get me wrong. I get it. I understand you don't want to. Hey, there is not a... Corey Perry in an Oilers jersey makes me physically sick. Ugh. Like, visibly makes me upset. I, I didn't like the guy before, and seeing him in orange and blue doesn't help. But I, I love to see him lose. That, that makes me happy. Should make you happy, too. Uh, we'll talk more about the Flames coming up in a little bit. Uh, take a look at their next opponent coming up, the LA Kings, who own the top wildcard spot in the Western Conference right now. We will uh, take a break, come back on the other side. Spring training underway for the Toronto Blue Jays. They've got uh, plenty of decisions to make ahead of their season opener. Ben Schulman 
Uh, we're talking some Blue Jays next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Spring training baseball kicked off for the Toronto Blue Jays Saturday in Dunedin, Florida. They're in action this Monday afternoon as we speak, taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Lots of questions remain about this Jays team after underachieving last season, missing out on prime free agent Shohei Otani. But he's on the plane. He wasn't on the plane. What? He's on a different plane. Probably not even a plane. Just walked over to the Dodgers. All the money in L.A. But the Jays got Justin Turner. Still have a pretty formidable pitching staff. What's happening with Alec Manoa? Is he due for a bounce-back season? Can Dalton Varsho provide more offense? Is John Schneider on the hot seat if things don't go well for the Blue Jays? Lots of questions around this team right now. And uh, one of the new voices you'll hear calling the Toronto Blue Jays this season, the new radio play-by-play voice is the one and only Ben Shulman. He joined uh, Danielle Franchese and Matt Marchese. Say that 10 times fast. No kidding. On Sportsnet 590, the fans morning show a little earlier today. Chatting all things Toronto Blue Jays. The spring training is underway for the Jays. They're getting set for a very important 2024 season. And it's Ben Shulman, Blue Jays radio play-by-play voice. You'll hear Ben later today, uh, spring training baseball on Sportsnet from TD Ballpark. Uh, they host the Pittsburgh Pirates in Dunedin. First pitch scheduled for 107. It'll be Ben, Buck Martinez, and Hazel May on the call. Ben, how are you this morning? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Are the, are Thanks the, for doing it. Are the birds chirping, Ben? <laughs> like, where's the chir- I need uh, the, the ambiance the- of spring training, Ben. <laughs> 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 the birds are chirping. Uh, you know, the fans are are yelling for balls and warm up. Oh, that's great. Uh, it, it's uh, it's been fun. It was it was cool. Uh, you mentioned the Kirk home run. It was cool yesterday to to get to check out. Uh, you know, the Yankee ballpark in Tampa. There were a lot of Blue Jay fans there when Kirk homered. It was about as loud. Maybe maybe not as loud as when Juan Soto homered for the Yankee fans, but it was pretty close. <laughs> Uh, to as loud as it got. So uh, it's been fun so far. So first weekend of spring training baseball, the Jays go 0-2. There's a lot of runs scored against them and blah, 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 whatever. It's first two games of spring training. But when you look at these first two games, um, what what was your biggest takeaway from the weekend? Uh, you know, I think some, some really – you can't buy too much into anything good or sure. bad. But – uh, you know, I think it was nice to see Dalton Varsho come up with two pretty clutch hits and make some solid contact in his first two at bats. Obviously, he's a guy that they're relying upon to help the offense improve this year, and and people always want them to be a bit more left-handed heavy if he can slide up in the lineup like they had had him, uh, you know, at earlier points in the season last year. That would be big for them. Uh, you know, there were some great pitching performances in day one. Jack Dallas obviously headlined that, but uh, a couple guys in the back end of that game, I thought pitched really well too. Uh, Flew Hardy pitched well in that game. I believe I think TJ Brock pitched well in that game. So, uh, you know, that, that was nice to see. And then, you go to yesterday, and although, uh, you know, they, they for the most part, uh, you know, were down a lot to the Yankees the entire game, uh, you still had, you know, Davis Schneider making a diving catch in left field. I think that's really encouraging. If, if Davis Schneider is going to be 
you know, a, a big part of this team. They're going to need him to play some second and some left as platoons for Biggio or for one of the outfielders when uh, lefties in. You got Kirk obviously homering, which is big. He, uh, you know, along with Farshow and some other guys, is, is supposed to help the offense, you know, improve this season if he can get back to his 2022 kind of production. And then, uh, you know, they end up getting a, a basis clearing double from. Alan Roden yesterday, uh, which is pretty cool. One one of the the rising prospects that I don't think people hear about as much as in Aurelius or Barger. He's still a little bit further away, but was really really good at Double A last year. And to see his first swing go into the left center field gap was was pretty cool. So a lot of fun individual stuff. Uh, and you know the results of the games, win or loss. I mean, honestly, really couldn't matter less. Yeah, no question, but I think that that's completely secondary. But I was trying to explain that to Matt, too. I was like, you know, it's just the whole even, I mean, it, it popped on the screen on Saturday afternoon. It was the whole aesthetic of it. Um, and it just made me feel like we were actually getting closer to summer, which was great. Like, I enjoyed that aspect of it uh, because, yeah, I, I mean, performance-wise, I, I guess it was it was very encouraging to see Kirk do what he did yesterday, going deep in his first at-bat. It was encouraging to see Varsho make some solid contact. Obviously great to see Bichette and Justin Turner do what you hope they will continue to do uh, throughout the balance of the entire 2024 season. And that kind of gets me to the offense for a second because on Saturday specifically and watching and listening to the broadcast, yourself and, and Buck Martinez, Buck kept making the point about, you know, a lot of people are talking about how this Blue Jays offense, there's really obviously plenty of room for improvement compared to where they were a year ago. That being said, it might not necessarily come in the form of more power. And Buck continues to sort of reinforce that point in saying they got to be more creative in how they manufacture and generate offense. You get that sense as well. Like this team, even though as much as we're all sitting here saying, okay, well, it can't be worse than last year, even that will what the offensive improvement will translate it to be is them just having more cohesive of at bats, a better approach and not necessarily just an uptick in power. Yeah. I think especially when you talk about home runs, uh, you know, this team two years ago did or three years ago, I guess now 2021 hit the most home runs in major league baseball. They should hit more home runs this year. Don't get me wrong. Like it's more than likely that Vlad hits more home runs this year than last year. Turner hits for, uh, you know, a bit more power than Brandon Belt did. And a couple other guys could have upticks too, but they're not, they're not going to add like, in my opinion, 65 to 70 home runs all of a sudden to their team. That's not, you know, they didn't bring in anyone um, that is going to hit 35, 40 home runs this year, more than likely uh, that wasn't on the team last year. So I think they can have a little bit more power in terms of doubles and, and stuff like that. They, uh, I talked about this a little bit yesterday on the radio, but uh, the clutch hitting factor or the hitting with runners in scoring position, they got their batting average back up to around middle of the pack by the end of the year. They they had a lot of hits, you know, especially when the Buffalo guys came up, they had a lot of hits mm-hmm. with runners in scoring position in the back half of the season. But the slugging percentage with runners in scoring position was still pretty low. Uh, and that's not uh, that doesn't mean they need grand slams and three-run homers all the time, but there's a big difference when you hit doubles 
or triples occasionally than hitting singles in the fact that you can score multiple runs or, hey, if the bases are loaded, you might clear the bases, where it felt like a lot of the time last year, even when the Blue Jays were getting hits with runners in scoring position, it would be like bases loaded, you drop a single into right field, everyone moves up 90 feet, and now you need someone else to come up with a hit. Um, So I think that's a part of it. And then, you know, how many times last year did it seem like, oh, well, if they just get a fly ball here or a ground ball to the right spot, <laughs> it might work out. And it, and it didn't. So that's not about hitting home runs. So, yeah, I, I think Puck is right. You know, I do think they'll hit for a bit more power, um, but I don't think that that solves the entire problem. I, I think that, um, you know, they have to be able to string it together a little bit better or when they're not coming up with hits, uh, you know, running into more productive outs than maybe they did last year. Ben, thanks so much for taking some time for us today. Greatly appreciate it and have a great call today. Thank you so much, guys. Have a good one. There you go. That's the new radio play-by-play voice of the Toronto Blue Jays on Sportsnet. Ben Shulman joining the guys on Sportsnet 590 a little earlier on this Monday. Spring training action underway for the Toronto Blue Jays. to kicked off on Saturday. Right now they're taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates on uh, a little bit of spring training action. Actually, just finishing up on Sportsnet Jays 8 Pittsburgh 4, the final part of a busy day across the major leagues as we're uh, counting down the days to the regular season here on Sportsnet 9-6. will be your home of all the Blue Jays content this upcoming summer. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. Mondays, as always, on Sportsnet today, we chat with our pal Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.ca. Check in on some of the latest around the PWHL. Also, her thoughts on the upcoming NHL trade deadline. Plus, still here from Blake Coleman and Jonathan Huberto at Flames Practice today. All of that coming up in Hour 2. It's next on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.